Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining Chapter 3, Part 2, Episode 2. And this will be the last episode for um, this Part 2. And so the last episode for Chapter 3 altogether. So we're talking about the values of brands. And I want to move over now to Young and Rubicom Advertising Agency and talk about some of their ideas for um, how to value brands. And they first have this um, chart that they use called the Brand Asset Valuator, and you'll see it on the PowerPoints. And it's um, in some ways, I don't know, in some ways to me it reminds me of um, a SWOT analysis for some reason, even though it's not at all that. but you'll see some similarities. So it's it's a four quadrant chart um, that's broken down into aspiring brands, power brands, new brands, and eroding brands. And the idea that you can figure out where your brand is um, on this chart and then decide how you need to move it in what direction, what kind of advertising to use, what... Um, you know, what would be the right approach for it. And so you've got um, power brands versus aspiring brands. So the left to right is sort of um, the new and growing to the really mature ones like Tide. And in this example, um, in the PowerPoint, Samsung. So it's right on this um, arrow that you can see on the right at the top of the power brands, right at the top of that quadrant, that's sort of like the best place that you want to be. But you can see if you don't pay attention and go a little bit low, you'll end up in the declining leaders section. And that's where, you know, your brand is very um, strong. So I would say um, General Electric would be in that category, but people don't care about it as much anymore. So it's a leader, but it's declining as far as a brand asset. And so that is problematic and then declining leaders you get worse you end up down in the eroding brands which is a bad place to do likewise on the left side if you think of this as a column aspiring brands so that's you sort of niche these um, brands that are trying to figure out who they are Um, they have unrealized potential and and I would say many of your meal delivery services brands are in that category right and as you move down there they're less focused they're new but they don't necessarily know in what direction they're going and so certainly your um your most of your meal delivery services would be on this more left-hand side um and depending on how old your brand is how long they've been in social media what kind of presence they have would tell you sort of your brand strength of high to low so it's you know i don't know um how helpful you find this but um part of the reason i wanted to show these is this is how companies and advertising agencies try to um, be able to look inwardly and figure out where their own brands fit and how to deal with them um, in the advertising moving forward. Now, um, so that's Young and Rubicom. Sachi and Sachi is um, the other one I wanted to talk about. In the very beginning of this um, section, Chapter 3, Part 2, um, I have the phrase, um, love beyond reason. And that, that 
comes from Saatchi and Saatchi. They came up with this idea of love marks as a way to identify brands. Now you can see this chart, it's, it is very similar to the Young and Rubicom um, in, in that it's a quadrant, it has movement, um, there's good quadrants and less good quadrants and so on. Um, and so there left to right is the love idea. The farther along the right you are, um, people just, you know, think your brand is the best thing ever. And then vertically from bottom to top is the respect that your brand has. So some brands get a lot of respect, but people, you know, it's sort of where you have to be excited, well, not excited about it, but you have to use it, rely on it, but you, it's not like you love it or you don't want to talk about it or you don't want to think about it um, very much. And so this upper right-hand quadrant, the high love, high respect, is really what you're trying to shoot for. If you, if you have a brand that people love and they respect, um, that's a sign that you have brought your brand and your loyal consumers um, to the brand. So much so that, you know, they're never going to leave your brand. They um, identify very closely with your brand. So, you know, it's the example that I gave. That's how I feel about Delta and Hilton and Honda cars. I'm in that high love, high respect um, attitude toward the brand. Um, here's another way um, Sachin Sachi argues for this love mark on how you can turn your brands um, that are just respected into brands that are also loved. So you go from unknown to known to known for something, your brand is respected, but then it's known for good things, and then it's known for things that are different, and then it's known for things that I care about. So you can see in that development there, um, going from the brand that doesn't have a lot of interaction with the consumer to brands that are really bringing in the consumers, you know, known for things that I care about, um, known for things that are different. You know, I like to be a part of a brand that looks at the world a little bit differently, um, that does good in the world and with the brand and for me. Those are all marks of how um, you can develop this love beyond reason. And that's, you know, what the innovative advertiser um, tries to do with these brands and where the account planner comes in with the research for these brands is trying to build that love of the brand and respect of the brand so much that the person who uses the brand doesn't want to use any other brand and wants to tell everybody about how great the brand is and how wonderful it's been to them and so on. And so, um, that gets us to this loyalty beyond reason. Um, what um, great brands, in order to survive, they have to create this. It's the on only way they can differentiate themselves from all these other brands that are not going um, anywhere. So great advertising leads to loyalty beyond reason. Um, it helps to have a decent brand, of course, but um, sometimes just the, the brand itself is what makes the product's so wonderful. I, I think of cola products as an example for that, right? There's really not much to the cola. It's water, fizzy water, caramel, sugar, um, you know, all the brands, they all sort of have that same thing, but it's the advertising behind it that makes you feel 
compelled toward one brand or another. So that is what um, what you're you're shooting for. Then there's one more um, brand model I want to talk about, and that um, comes from a group of researchers um, who published in the Journal of Marketing called the Brand Love Model. And again, there's some things in here that can help you as you're thinking about your secondary research project on um, on how to start thinking about your brand as you're bringing your brand and your consumer together. So passion-driven behaviors. What would you do for a brand you love? Self-brand integration. How does a brand make you feel about yourself? Positive emotional connection. We like the brand. It fits us. Um, You know, I talk about Honda in that way. It's not too fancy, but it's not too cheap. It just fits who I am. Long-term relationship commitment. Again, Honda fits that for me because these cars last forever. So I feel like they're committed to me with a good um, car and I'm committed to them. Anticipated separation distress. How would we miss the brand? Well, I can speak to that um, with the pandemic. So I love Delta. You know, I'm in that loyalty beyond reason um, point. I enjoy flying. I like to travel. Um, I miss not being in airports. I miss not sitting on a Delta airplane. I never thought I would think about separation distress, but you know, I flat out am sort of like a man, I need to get on the airplane again. So this resonates with me in a way um, that surprises me a little bit, I would say. Um, overall attitude balance. How does a brand meet our needs compared to other brands? So, you know, when I'm looking at soup brands, you know, I may be loyal to a little bit of soup brands, but, you know, there's other brands that can also work for me. So, um, you know, maybe I don't have a strong attitude balance toward that brand. And attitude certainty, the feelings that the brand are accurate. So it'd be silly if I felt so loyal about Delta and they were really a terrible airlines. I mean, there's a lot... Um, there's a lot to complain about a lot of airlines, but they are a leader in the market. There is evidence, not just for my personal feelings, that this is a very strong brand. And so what you need to do is think about all of these different brand models in relation to your meal delivery service. It's a way to help you think differently about your brand, to go a little bit deeper than you might normally do that. Think about your your brand in just some new and different ways that you normally would not and try to bring that together and that's sort of getting us in the direction of understanding sort of the mindset of the consumer and how we're going to bring that brand and the consumer together. So there are quite a lot of thoughts in here about brand models. It's actually a pretty complicated um, idea to think through and I went through it really quickly and it's difficult when you know we can't work through um, one at a time or do examples of that and so you need to spend just a little time and think about how does that work for my brand how can I bring some aspect of these um, brand models to my brand so think about that as we move forward with our projects Um, and then um, that's what we'll be thinking about as we um, move into chapter four 
So this is the end of chapter three, part two. So end of chapter three altogether, the very last um, podcast for chapter three. And um, hope you got something out of all of this and that you're using this to learn more about your brand and starting thinking about the consumers who are going to use your brand. So with that, have a great day, stay safe, and I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.